I'm Charlie Taylor. I'm in Carter on Hip Hop by the Numbers on Twitter, where you use hip hop statistics, hard the bigger picture. Oh, no, nothing fun anymore. I would try. I'm going to the fifth element. I'm going to the fifth element while hard the fifth hip hop, which is knowledge. From now until infinity, you don't need no hate oration or holleration in the stance of real. It's digging And Ben's stand-up career is over. There's too much to do this week. You know, we've had too much on. I've been posting a lot of statistics about female artists, and I've gotten a lot of requests for the episode we're about to do. So many requests. I was talking to Charlie about it during the week. This artist has a very passionate fan base, so we're going to do one of the greatest female artists of all time. We're going to do a retrospective on Eminem. (laughs) I've, I've been inundated with requests. I posted about Lauren Hill going diamond was, and that said was, that, that was, you know, okay. she was the first female okay. MC to ever go diamond. And everyone was like, but what about Eminem, bro? And I was like, fuck, he has gone diamond. She has gone. I don't even know anymore. So we're going to address it in this episode. I must admit, like, that, that is the most, that was the most concealed concealed gag i've ever seen in my life i've ever experienced i did not see that coming fuck you came out you came out that with a fucking bullet to the brain fam you know that scene in wanted where like a uh, uh, fam like shoots the shoots the gun and it just travels the whole fucking city and then just impales someone's head that's exactly what happened to me bro like i literally just like just bullet just came out of fucking nowhere like from 20 miles away that was amazing well played hi ben how's your week been <laughs> of you listen this week. Well, a good portion of that week was spent crafting that, so I didn't get a lot else done this week, to be honest. But um, worth it. Yeah, worth, worth it. it. I got some. I got some listening in. Uh, Scary Hours Two by Drake. This was clutch, man. This was so clutch on Friday night. I'd been sitting in traffic all day. I was very anxious. I needed to come home, and I needed something to calm my nerves. And I had a lot of work to get through too. This is. I don't know, man. This I fell into some kind of reverie when this dropped. Like it's just so standard Drake. It, it slaps, it bops, goes hard. Uh, if you're reading this level, Drake, like this is a lot of bars, a lot of explosive production. You know the commercial details. I'm not going to bore you with because they're pretty fucking amazing. If you go on social media, you'll see he's just going to do stupid amounts of sales and everything. But yeah, th- this project actually really fulfilled me. You know, Drake projects usually do. I Views is probably the only project that I don't go back to. Um, I don't see the value in putting this out before Certified Loverboy because I feel like right now was the perfect time to drop that. That'd do like seven, eight hundred k first week, and he'd be on the he'd be at number one for fucking six months at this point. But you know, you got to trust this process. He's obviously very good at this. So I'm just grateful for Scary Hours 2. Great project. Terminology, Goya 3. This is wild. This project is wild. The beats are insane. Lyricism, insane. Guest list, insane. There's a Cassidy verse on here that blew my mind. I quoted some of it to Charlie and I sent him into some sort of existential void. And he was like, you know, compelled to search for a higher meaning in life. He, he said, that makes sense, but I have more questions. 
And there's there's questions, man. Cassidy really dropped some some heat on that. Uh, Rome Streets, Little Fame, that song's really great. Um, yeah, man, Salsa Moves, first track, great song. So I really enjoyed that. Kings of Leon, When You See Yourself. I told Charlie, this is funny. So I told Charlie this was unobtrusive rock. And then I confirmed that so thoroughly. So I was driving around on Friday with a good friend who doesn't like rock music, has shown genuine displeasure any time I've tried to sneak rock music into our driving playlist. This is multiple times over multiple bands. So I had this playing when they came in the car on Friday, and I was sure I was going to get rebuked. I was like, I'm going to get slammed for this. Not a solitary comment for over an hour while this played on repeat. And, you know, it's not to say they weren't in the mood to talk. Like when I played West Side Tut later, they were like, stop playing this. This is not very good. So this is just the perfect description, man. Unobtrusive rock. Like it's not hurting anyone. It's not challenging anyone. They were really brilliant before they turned into basically dad rock after Sex on Fire. Like they were genuinely amazing. But this is just soft rock, you know. It's not bad, but like, yeah. I mean, the idea of growing up and becoming more self-aware is is here. So I appreciate that. But, um, you know, if you're a fan of early Kings of Leon, you're going to be struggling to see where they went. Uh, OMB PZ, Too Deep for Tears. Powerful, painful, traumatizing album. Top-tier technical ability. Great mix of singing and rapping. I just hope OMB PZ is doing okay, man, because this is a challenging listen. Young Morpheus and Ewany, uh thumbing through foliage. I don't think very often a title of an album really matches the aesthetic of a record, but I genuinely felt like I was thumbing through foliage when I was listening to this. There's very dense production. It's very intense, lo-fi, full of noise and sound, kind of like you're wandering through the bush, but not on a calm day. Maybe maybe just before a thunderstorm or a bushfire, everything is kind of buzzing in anticipation. This took me on a journey. I thought that was a great project. And finally, I'm going to give a shout out to a friend of all of us, Hip Hop Numbers, Fifth Element, Central Source, Del Nelson, who dropped his first song a week or so ago on streaming, uh, Life is Death. Del's music and poetry deals with existing right at the edge of that precipice between life and death, and he often speaks about incredibly difficult life conditions and how he is navigating them. I thought this track was incredible, from artwork to production to delivery of the lyrics. There's nothing missing at all here. You know, it's, it's chilling at times. Uh, some of the lyrical content people might, may find hard to deal with because it's going really deep and, and challenging the listener. But um, I really appreciate it. As someone who lives this kind of existence sometimes, it's really valuable to have someone who can eloquently express it. So shout out to Del Nelson for his bravery on this track, man. I can't wait for the next one. So yeah, that was me. What about yourself, Charlie? Yeah, um, so this is probably like one of my uh, one of my favorite weeks uh, so far. Um, definitely a golden week in my view. Uh, just everything I thoroughly enjoyed uh, from start to finish. Uh, started off with Adrian Young for this from last week, but Adrian Young, uh, the American Negro. Um, this is just like so. Uh, it's like, it's, like, it's like super undercover in how it um, just penetrates. It's not exactly like in your face. It's like half spoken word. Like some of the tracks just has Adrian Young just like talking and just like in like a Gil Scott Heron kind of way. Um, and then it comes with these just these super soulful, sometimes funk infused, sometimes jazz infused, um, just nearly orchestral level uh, music. And uh, yeah, it's just um, 
I don't know, it's just a superb commentary on just, like, <laughs> the American Negro. Like, if you... Uh, the, the artwork has changed, actually, recently. I, I saw the artwork oh, really? change all of a sudden. Um, but, yeah, previously it had, like, uh, just, like, loads of these words um, that you can, uh, you know, whether it be negative or mostly negative for most of them. Um, and, then, and now it's just a change that I think recently to something else. It was, like... Uh, I don't know, just someone getting hung, basically. And I was just like, okay, evocative. Um, yeah. So, yeah, uh, it's... Uh, yeah, man, just shout out to Adrian Young, because uh, I remember I was, I was listening to an interview. I think it was on Microphone Check. Shout out to Microphone Check, one of my, one of my favourites. I wish I came back. Um, I, I think they did an interview with him, and he was like talking about how he just never actually learned... Me- when he started off doing music, he didn't actually know any of the you know, like, chord progression or any of that kind of stuff. He did everything by ear and just did every instrument he played by ear. I was just like, fuck, you know. I'm sure, I'm sure he's much more knowledgeable with the fact now, but, like, just the fact that he started out like that and, uh, you know, it's just constantly gone further and further with it. So, shout out to Jin Young. Uh, LD, who's watching, um, yeah, I wanted to list this off uh, Ben's recommendation from last week and uh, he was saying it's better than the Diggity's project and I was like, okay, that's interesting. But, um, yeah, I, 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 I kind of agree. Um, I like the... I just like the the depth in it, I guess, and uh, how he just it has that darkness to it, and it's very, um, it's it's a very interesting performance, I'd say, um, that doesn't really you don't really get with many drill projects, especially uh, most of them's just like you know, uh, most of it very flexy, some most some of it can be very introspective. Um, and yeah, LD's just got a mixture of a lot of things, a uh, mixture of a lot of uh, themes as well, uh, all while just encapsulating it in that, you know, deep, just bassy drill sound. So uh, shout out to LD on that one, love that. Uh, uh, Yazara, uh, The Ceremony. I love the name Yazara, my boss name, I love that. Um, this is super just um, all over the place, but in a good way. Um, I think when I, when I hailed her up as a 5e track of the day the other day, uh, she responded saying, um, I don't have, I don't go by labels or something like that. Um, yeah, I try to sing what I love and leave the labels up to the other folks. And that's basically just how she responded to me saying it was a very, it had a lot of variety to it. And it really does have a lot of variety to it. Like the first track is like a straight up rock track. Um, and then, uh, yeah, it just deviates into something else, like kind of an R&B, but not kind of an R&B. Uh, then it deviates into something completely different from that. Uh, but yeah, it just it just goes it just goes um, a lot of places in in, in terms of sound and uh, you know and she just comes through with some amazing vocals and just uh, amazing uh, uh, patterns as well. So uh, yeah, man, it's a solid solid album. Uh, Laura and Vula EP. Uh, I think I think it's one F. I just I'd say one F because it just says one F. Um, I, th- I don't know if it's that for, if that's a photography thing. One F. I, I forget. Um, anyway. It's four tracks. Um, if you guys haven't been, uh, this is like her first anything in like I don't know four or five years. Um, one of the best British songwriters, uh, singer songwriters in the game, and uh, yeah, she's come through with a little EP. It's four tracks, and uh, they're basically remixes in some way of her previous work, of her most popular works. Um, the first track, "Sing to the Moon," is an absolute fucking heater. Um, in every single way and what it usually was what it previously was was kind of like this you know kind of an orchestral thing going on um, and just amazing songwriting as well but this one she just takes it and just flips it into this super retro super 80s inspired and that's the whole thing that's the whole vibe she's going for and I'm assuming that's what her album's going to sound like uh, for uh, uh, coming soon but um, 
yeah, this is just an absolute amazing taster. If you haven't listened to Lauren Vuller, um, please go listen because this out this this EP just absolutely smacks and Sing to the Moon is just it's so bassy. It's just absolutely perfect production. She just fucking floats on it. Uh, Green Garden as well is an absolute classic of hers. Uh, but yeah, I can't wait for this album. My car, it's, it's such a hype. This it gave me that exact amount of hype that I wanted for this kind of album. It's great. Um, North Face, spelled N O R F. Uh, this is Jamie Frisco Capo Lee and Shorty. Uh, and yeah, so it's kind of like EP ish. It, it, it's not listed as an EP, but I'm giving it EP stairs because it's like 27 minutes. And uh, yeah, so they go on. They they basically just like go bar for bar with each other on on, on certain tracks. Uh, they have this thing going on where it's like one track and then it's one of their patterns. Uh, so Shorty's pan, Capper's pan, Fresco's pan, Jamie's pan, and they have a song in between as well. And yeah, so very interesting. It's 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 actually fro- more throwback. Uh, fro- throwback. It's more throwback in in a way in in a lot of ways. A lot of classic grime uh, sounding cuts. And uh, if you're into that then, well, I keep saying Grimes is best, but anyway, you know, take my word for it. Uh, but please, if, you, if, you, if you're not convinced, go listen to this. This is a good example. Um, and yeah, they just all go off. Like, yeah, they're, they're, it's, it's, standard, it's standard procedure. If you know Jamie, you know Frisco, Capoli, Shoy, they all go off. They always go off, so uh, it, it smacks. Uh, Denzel Curry, Kenny Beats on lot 1.5. Uh, it's obviously just a lot of, uh, you know, a couple of remixes, a couple of new things. I love that Joey Badass feature, mm. or Denzel and Joey on one track. Mm, 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 mm. Tasty. Benny too. Tasty with a capital T. Um, you know, I, I, I really, I really, the, the thing I love most about this is how it gives me... Um, you know how like DJs and EDM producers like have just entire remix EPs of like one track of theirs, mm. and it's obviously just got like you know this person remix, this person remix. I like this because I will I I will I would love it if a Denzel Curry fan, if the classic Denzel Curry fan, actually looked up who Robert Glasper is, or looked up who Georgia Ann Muldrow is. <laughs> <laughs> or looked up who Arlo Parks is. You know what I'm saying? Like the 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 crossover here is very interesting to me. Um, and I do love the God Mode 950 version of Take It Back, which is absolute drum and bass banger. And I'm here for drum and bass at all times. Uh, I've 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 dipped out of it recently, but in well recently, in like <laughs> it's been like six years since I've been into drum and bass. But still, I I, I thoroughly enjoy it every time I see it, hear it. And lastly, Jazzelise, the Golden Hour. Uh, her debut EP, uh, reggae artist, and sh- her voice is just so silky smooth. Um, some great, uh, just uh, actually links to a little bit of the um, of the uh, 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 artist we're uh, doing rest special of today. Um, she talks about relationships a lot in the EP itself. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's, that, it's that kind of uh, theme going on. Uh, but yes, uh, Good Over Evil, the single on on the on the EP is very nice. I love that kind of that type of reggae um and she switches up a little bit on the production side um not her personally but just like the sound of it switches up a little bit from usual uh modern reggae especially the ones that come out of indignation uh but project is able but um yeah man jazzelise is just a um, supreme talent love her voice uh it's just uh, superb work and with that said, we hop on to one of our most stacked episodes of <laughs> of recent times. Uh, this one is just going to be a fucking whirlwind. So, tr- so strap the fucking ladies and gentlemen. We are going through the career of one of, in my mind, 
And this is just something I've gathered as I've been listening this week. Um, I would say, like, top 10 objectively, uh, one of the most consistent discographies of the past, like, 30 years. I, I, I The quality of work that's come out of has come from this woman has just been absolutely outstanding there have been she's gone about 20 or so years with just no duds at all in terms of album uh, output and that is to me just outstanding to think about um so yes we are covering miss mary j blige queen of hip-hop soul and uh yeah so we're switching up the format in a little bit, just so we could, so we're able to get through um, a lot of the works because we really want to get through, um, uh, you know, as much as possible. Um, just because I feel like, uh, you know, her work deserves that, and I sh- I'm sure Ben agrees on that front. Um, so yeah, we're going to we've <laughs> well Ben doled doled out uh, five albums each for us, um, <laughs> and he cl- he claims that actually, and I, I don't know why I've taken this so competitively, but he claims that he's got the best five. Oh, easy. Um, and, and and I am here, ladies and gentlemen, to say that I have the best five. <laughs> it's competition. I'm I'm am j- j- I'm joking. It's not, uh, I don't want to make a competition, but um, you know, you're saying like it's great, and I'm just like. Mm. I mean, I've got some heaters, I've got some heaters, but, you know, we'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. Um, yeah, so we're going to, obviously, we usually go back and forth between albums, but we're going to try and keep it very linear and try and not deviate off that off that track. So, literally, we're really going to go, uh, what's, the, what's the um what's the throwback? Uh, Scalextric. Scalextric? How do you say it? Scalextric? I don't know. Do you remember Scalextric? No, Did you have Scalextric? I didn't have that. It's like them, like a, like a, you know, you press a, you press a ting and like a, uh, it's like cars going round. Cars going oh, round. Oh like yeah, we used track. to have them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, the the brand here is Scale Electric, but I, I don't know. What you, I don't know what you guys call it. But yeah, but those those kind of things. We're staying on the track. Like we're not deviating. All right, we're gonna try and do that anyway. But we'll see how it goes. Uh, with that said, as I eat my duck, uh, uh, Ben, what have you got for us? You're eating duck for dinner tonight. That's lit. Fuck. I want some duck for dinner, man. All right, I wanted to laugh as you were going through your fucking uh, thingy, but like I was just like stuffing my face. I was just like, oh, I want to respond so bad. <laughs> All right, so we, I mean, Mary, Mary's, Mary's a queen. Like you know, I think what I'd like to show you in this episode is how she's balanced throwing herself entirely into every single performance she's ever done, while still being commercially successful, universally loved, and commercially and critically relevant and loved for well over 25 years. I I would say top 10 objective uh, artists that I've ever encountered. Um, listening to her interviews, it's it's amazing. And, and her links to hip-hop are an integral part of her artistry. You know, if you've listened to Mary, you know exactly why. The reason she's popped up in our podcast is not necessarily because she's a hip-hop artist, but because she adores the genre and the production she tends to sing over on her more popular work is straight hip-hop. She said in the Crown interview with Elliot Wilson that her dream was always to sing over the top of hip-hop instrumentals because she felt that the sampling was basically like doing a cover version except adding your own lyrics and your own emotion and your own passion to it. So her links to you know Jay-Z, LOX, Diddy, Nas, Q-Tip, Method Man, they're fully established you know, I see her in a similar category in this sense to Nate Dogg, you know, rest in peace, Nate Dogg. You know, they don't rap necessarily, but they're intrinsically linked to the genre. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Mary's insane performance began at the age of seven, uh, which is when she claims she began to sing. She says her mother remembers her singing as young as three. But Mary recounts stories from her early days singing outside bodegas for potato chips and juice. And she said this was a really formative experience 
I think it added a formality and structure to her singing that she wasn't going to get elsewhere. You know, she said singing was something she loved, but not something she wanted to pursue as a career. And the reason that she gives is heartbreaking. You know, she told Crown that she was known as the singer in the neighborhood. All her friends asked her to sing all the time. But she was poor, you know, living in horrible conditions. Her family was struggling. Everyone she knew was struggling. She said people don't make it out of where she was. That even when she had a meeting with the label executive coming down to finalize her contract, she didn't believe it would be anything life-changing because she said, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing here a little bit, but this is exactly what her message was, even if people in our area got something, it was so easily taken away. And I think this bred in her a deep desire to survive. And she speaks about it often in interviews, how music was a means of survival for her and her family. From her teenage years singing in front of bodegas for food, she learned to win over uninterested or even hostile people. She learned live performance, uh, performance persona, movement, inflection, all the tools you need to manipulate mood and emotion in people in order to get them to give you their money in some form. And she all began that at the age of seven and did that almost every day. So she dropped out of high school in her junior year to pursue music. She was in a band called Pride for a while. She recorded a demo of the Anita Baker song, Caught Up in the Rapture. And someone her mother was dating got that tape to an A&R at Uptown Records who sent it to Andre Harrell. Now Harrell himself drove down to Yonkers in person to meet and sign Mary, initially as a backup singer. She ended up becoming the youngest and first, the youngest artist on Uptown and the first female artist on Uptown. Now we know that Diddy was over at Uptown before uh, they broke off and Mary met him obviously and began work on her debut, What's a 411? And yeah, I found her backstory just, you know, I I don't want to go into it super deep. We We could get into all the technicalities and everything, but I just think, Growing up under those conditions, it just, you can hear it. You can hear it not only when she sings, but when she talks. This passion and this energy and this this vibe that she has for music. It's like, it's always been part of her. And yeah, I think um, her backstory is pretty sad, but it's amazing, yeah, what she managed to achieve even when she didn't think that she could. Yeah, uh, I think actually, um, with that all said, I feel like going into 411 so, like, uh, abruptly, um, albeit, um, it gives it, it gives me the, um, it, it gives me the impression that uh, she was given the, uh, was given the ability to be different, I feel. Because I don't think, like, apart from maybe, like, Faith Evans, um, she, I don't think anybody else was, like, given this kind of uh, ability or just given this kind of freedom to, like, bounce between things. Because, um, obviously, you know, at a similar time, there was stuff like uh, New Jack Swing, right? And you had, like, you know, Heavy D and the Boys doing stuff with uh, uh, R&B acts and stuff like that. And everything Teddy Riley did on that front. You know, and that... that kind of I guess said to me and obviously everyone at that time was just like you know R&B and hip-hop can coexist and then obviously on Mary's front with 411 is probably the most um uh uh, what's the word in in your face I guess for lack of a better phrase uh with that mixture where she has this naivete I guess in some ways 
you can well you can label it as either naivete or something like dreaming uh, of something better I guess um, because a lot of the tracks on there you know stuff like real love I'm talking about that real love you know it's just mm-hmm. it's that's that's her that's her just like you know saying what I want kind of thing and uh, I feel like that's kind of the thing I get for the entire album for one one um and uh it's kind of interesting that it could, that she got that just straight away um you know it's just how it uh and how it just came together so in my mind seamlessly um in 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 the final product of it like she she's she's belting out these vocals um and something that i miss a hell of a lot and it comes across with most of mary's work uh you know pre pre 2010 i guess um is the is the extended outros bro I, I i miss extended outros so much like just just a, a minute or two of just wheeling wheeling back the fucking chorus and you're just jamming to it like, i miss those man i miss those like, so, these songs these days just end so they, they just do the chorus and then boom it's gone like it's just you know nothing nothing else like i miss that extended chorus and uh, uh and extended outro and uh, you know this this album which really takes it home, and I feel like it's just quintessential Mary. I feel in this with this particular album. Obviously, we're going to talk about my life as well, which is another undisputed classic of hers um, uh, for different reasons. I think, uh, but yeah, I just feel like this is quintessential Mary, and um, it really just uh, encapsulates that queen of hip hop soul mantra. Uh, uh, mant- uh, title that she's that she's obviously been given in, uh uh since then so uh yeah man it's it's 411 everyone loves it who do- who doesn't a 411 yeah it's a pretty barnstorming debut i mean it went fucking triple platinum and hit number 6 on the billboard 200 uh 78 review average 271 ranked on rolling stones 500 album greatest albums of all time i think it really established that that early sound of just passion and yeah i like the outros too man i I think that that's something that get lost gets lost later in her career a little bit because of the hip-hop production you know it's like looping up samples and stuff it's Mm. a little bit different to and Mm. you know she she dips in and out of that throughout her career and we'll talk about that as we as we go but like you know to start with what's a 411 and then obviously you we talk about the sophomore slump a lot and how it's really hard to back up a really really good debut but she came out with my life which is obviously one of the quintessential mary albums you know it's the one that kind of propelled her into the stratosphere uh she dropped a remix to the what's a 411 a remix album and since both the debut and the remix had done well uh it was actually the producers who wanted more money on the early from the first album because the album did so well. The label actually refused <laughs> to pay them the extra money, so uh. it could have gone south because they were on track to produce and they were like, "Well, you know, we just did so well, so we want more money." So Chucky Thompson came in, right? And Chucky Thompson came in. He ended up helping produce the entire project, but he was only meant to produce one track. So he, they loved that track so much that he stayed on. And there were so many production issues with this album. It's amazing it came out the way it did. Like Diddy and uh, Prince Charles Alexander got into a huge fight over production credits. Uh, Biggie was removed from the K. Murray interlude because of his lyrics. It was a it was a huge mess. And you know the album turned out to be an absolute gem. And Mary said, and I quote, "I didn't know what it would do or how successful it would be. I was in so much pain and ready to check out." 
and I know I needed to say these things to get them off my chest. It touched so many people's lives in the world. It gave me confirmation that I wasn't alone and we had to fight for our lives. The fight wasn't pretty and is still hard at times, but we keep fighting. And it began a theme. I mean, I know she did it on Forza 411, but it wasn't quite as evocative as this album where she would just lay her heart over everything she did, you know, and she would do this yeah. for the rest of her career. Uh, she gathered this really devoted group of listeners who felt seen and heard and who felt reassured that another human was experiencing the same depth and the same challenge. And the production on this, I felt, was pretty simple and at times a little bit derivative, but that just, for me, gave her more room to emote on both sides of the coin. Like, You Bring Me Joy is almost a, a juvenile euphoria around a new relationship, like the the lustful stage, you know, the uh, euphoric stage. And mm. that it, it pulls out that myth that one person can satisfy every need you'll ever have, uh, but one we all want to buy into, you know. We all want to buy into that myth um, there's heaps of stuff that reminds me of Lemonade by Beyonce on here. I'm the only woman. Yeah. Uh, okay. Do you get that vibe too? I get that vibe. I, I, I was going to say it's for, an, I was going to say it's actually for another album, but it's okay. interesting you mentioned Beyonce, but yeah, yeah. We'll, get, we'll get to that. Yeah. That's interesting. I mean, I'm, uh-huh. the only, I'm the only woman is a really <laughs> classical soul track. Uh, the way mm-hmm. that Mary mm-hmm. dives into the longing to be needed and desired, to be accepted despite fragilities and, and vulnerabilities is really tortured. And that sentiment is echoed across multiple songs and it would be a huge part of her career. I, you got to believe, I never want to live without you. You know, th- this, this line of content showed a real darkness within her psyche. Uh, she said she was in a horrible position during this point in her life. She was a sexual abuse survivor. She said she numbed herself with drugs and sex during this period and was partying off the back of the success of her debut album, but attempting to run from the horrible things that she'd witnessed and experienced. And we get an album of tortured desperation, of someone clinging to external validation and external reassurance because they're not yet capable of reassuring themselves. And um, yeah, man, it's, it's a hard listen at times. I'm going down real descent into depression and melancholy. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, Mary's, Mary's Joint, I think, really showcases the whole thing because it's called Mary's Joint. It's, it's a song you'd yep. expect her to barnstorm up to the world and, and state her place mm-hmm. and stake her claim. Yet she opens mm-hmm. with, I know you're just a man, but you're all the man I need. And I know that you care and that you'll never leave. No, you'll never leave. And I felt like I'm getting a bit choked up even thinking about it, man. This is a... It's a tough listen at times, and it, it launched her yeah. career. It really launched her career. This album, but um, yeah, it's some darkness on here. Like I say, launched her career when her first album went triple platinum. Stop, stop throwing it. No, <laughs> for real, for real. No, I understand that. I understand that. But like, I, I think that that album had to go triple platinum for her to be able to just do whatever she wanted sure. to on this album. Sure. Um, sure. and she was given the creative freedom to just be herself on this album, and I think the first album paved the way for that. And then this kind of yeah. really solidified that place. Like this person is not going anywhere, you know. Yeah, um, and that actually, like the the kind of, I feel like the next album, Share My World, turns into something like not a polar opposite, but like a lot of, um, it, it's it's definitely an upward trend, right? So how with my life, it's such a emotional roller coaster, as you said. Uh, my life, I think, in a lot of ways, in inside inside the actual music itself, and obviously outside, because at this point, for people that don't know, in terms of like the you know, history, uh, 
the background of it. Um, you know, she ditched Uptown Records at this point uh, and went to MCA um, and ditched, uh, you know, Sean uh, Combs. Puffy, right, <laughs> right, and then uh, you know, and then just began to work with other people, and uh, you know, just the production uh, names on here, like Jimmy Jam, Terry Lewis, uh, 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 Babyface, um, ah, fuck, oh yeah, I, I forgot to say there is an R Kelly uh, here, by the way. <laughs> Joe, Warning, R Kelly's here, he's Warning. here. Warning, yeah, he's here, he's here. Like that's that's to be said. Um, and you know, and the features on here, you got. Kim, Nas, Locks, George Benson, Roy Ayers are in the background of some of this production as well. Like that's that's heat. That's that's a yeah. that's a, just a star-studded list, and it really gives um, it really gives a new breath of life. I think to uh, uh, well, not I wouldn't say that. I'd say a new direction as to where she was going with it. Um, in this case, she I guess left the hip hop soul side of it um, and went you know planted her feet much much more in R&B um, in this particular album. And that's funny to say, even, you know, considering that Lil' Kim and uh, Nas are on, like, back-to-back tracks at the top, um, but and the locks, obviously, on Kage For My Mind, that's just, like, okay, <laughs> that's, a, that's just a mix, but here we are, like, Kage For My Mind, let's get it. Um, but, yeah, it's uh, it, it really sends up to, it sends this up to, like, a, in terms of, like, just the, visual uh trajectory of where Mary J. Blige as a person is at. It's just like a little bit upward. It's a little bit upward. It's a little bit more optimistic in my mind. Um and just the and just everyone around her, I think, just really uplifts this album. And the title track Sham World is absolutely bang on like just a just a just a hook to that is just absolutely smashing. I feel and that's that's something I keep thinking about when it comes to Mary, right? It's two things. Like the the hooks are so uh, the hooks are so good sometimes that you do, that if you didn't actually look up like what the singles were you couldn't guess because like because some of these tracks like even the deep cuts have such good hooks you'd be like man this could be a single easy like if you if you were about that me- if you're in that mind state you'd be like is this a single it might be a single who knows because they're all just so high quality. And also just like the intros uh, throughout most of these albums, like the intros are just so banging all the time. I, I, I like I like it when she just gets a phone call. I just yeah, like that. Uh, consi- I love intro, that consistent. Yeah. yeah, I love that consistent. Um, it's like the Lil Wayne Lighter flick, you know what I mean? It's just like you, you just know it's just going to be heat. <laughs> Whenever like the phone call comes in, it's like, oh shit, he's calling her up. Like, oh shit. Uh, it's, it's great. But anyway, yeah, this album is just... Um, Yes, yeah, it's, it's much more, uh, much, much, much more upbeat uh, than um, uh, than my life. Um, and you know, I, and again, I don't think I don't know if if you if you put a gun to my head and say rank these albums so far, I'd be like, I don't know, because like it's just they're all so good yeah. in their own freaking way, and that's just amazing to think about. Three albums in already, and we're just like these are all in some ways classics. But um, yeah, amazing. <laughs> Yeah, amazing. I mean, that album, again, like, debut number one, 240K first week, platinum, reviewed really well. Uh, Amazing record. And then we get Mary, and immediately you feel this warm vibe spread over you because, obviously, Share My World, more, more upbeat and happy. So this feels like it's coming from a place of strength and resilience, which is, as Charlie said, totally absent on my life. This is a really warm album like lauren hill produced the first song and she slayed that naturally mary has production on here manual seal 
I get a straightforward old school R&B, R&B, R&B vibe off it, like real 80s soul. Rhythm and um, vibes. Rhythm and, <laughs> hey, man, rhythm and, rhythm and vibes, yeah. But, you know, a lot of people were quick to point out her move away from hip-hop on this record, which is fair, but I think this just happens yep, 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 yep. periodically throughout her career. She'll dip back in and out. And yep. I think this to be one of Mary's strongest albums because I think the simple melodies show a deeper, more intricate song structure, which is always propelled by Mary's voice. Because the instrumentals, I feel, are, you know, pretty standard loops. Like deep inside, she does that Elton John song, like really perfect justice. She doesn't try and tear it down like remix artists sometimes do. It's nuanced, you know. And the way that Beautiful Ones, for example, builds into this epic crescendo and then just shatters on the rocks into slower, warmer pieces on I'm in Love. Um, You know, the monotone of time, which features some vocals that are very close to rap, you know, very close to hip hop. And then she switches into full on 70s soul on Don't Waste Your Time. The range on this is scary. It's fucking Mm. scary and it's stupidly good. And it shows this intuition that she has for melody and for rhythm where it doesn't seem to really matter where the production's going. She takes it in a direction that you probably didn't think she was going to go in. And it's fucking crazy. Um, You know, there's a lot of talk about like Sunday morning, you know, albums, those those kind of warm pieces of music you wake (laughs) up to on a Sunday in an empty house. And you play mm. whilst you like clean and kind of detox from the week. I would say <laughs> this is that, but Mary can't ever let it be that. Like that's the thing about Mary, you know. She, I want to make this point. She's too powerful. She's too emotive. She grabs from too mm-hmm. many different life experiences. Like yes, she's in a better place during the recording of this album, but she mm. comes from a place of pain. And Babyface said he did, said in an interview that. She experiences pain unlike anyone else he's ever met. He said that everything comes from a place of pain. And I think this this Mary album drags us back into too many deep emotions to to start my Sunday with, for for instance. Like, man, I would struggle to listen to songs like Don't Waste Your Time or Your Child or Let No Man Asunder. Uh Your Child is um intense, man. Like Your Child is these these are this is the thing, like these are heartbreak songs. They're really adult and mature, but they're covered in misery. And I think that's how Mary sets herself aside from pop artists or R&B singers who lean more into that pop side. You know, this is why yeah. I say later Beyonce reminds me more of this kind of Mary, whereas early Beyonce doesn't because early Beyonce was kind of caught up in the pop tropes a little bit where it was just like bubblegummy with love and and you know you cheated so to the left to the left like mary's talking about you know how do i deal with my partner having a child with another woman and like how do we how do we navigate these situations it's like it's really coming from a place of maturity and awareness but also emotion because i think when you come from that maturity slash awareness place you feel like you have to divorce your emotion from it because you know, mm. it comes, sometimes it feels impulsive, or you feel angry, or you feel jealous, and you're like, "Well, that's not a mature, aware emotion to feel," you know. But Mary somehow toes the line between both. I don't know how she fucking does it, you know. And we'll get mm. to it later when we get to the divorce and all that stuff. But it's like, it's mind-boggling, man. It's the, the level, the depth to this this woman's fucking skill set is just intense and i think this album really showcased that yeah i feel like mary comes uh in like the uh 
in like the overall story, I feel like this album, and you you kind of hinted at it, but like this is very very adult. This is very very uh, mature uh, in t- in just in just how, uh, how you know what what she talks about, but also in my mind is just the amount of like uh, really really close, and obviously the uh, there's a duet with Aretha Franklin in it, um, but. Um, the the mid the mid the middle of this album has just like this super really classic soul like Aretha Franklin era Billie Holiday era kind of soul to it um and just in in, in a little bit of gospel in there as well there's a lot of got there's a there's a bit of gospel sprinkled sprinkled in this as well and I find that so fascinating considering the fact that she executive you know it's the first uh, uh, album she's EP'd uh, 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 had an EP name on it um name on the EP um as executive producer not extended play uh the fact she had her name there uh really tells me that uh she has these influences that she didn't uh or wasn't able to either way um uh, explore properly and i feel like mary was just like a real uh interesting exploration into just who she's inspired by as well as what what she wants to do in some ways like it's not just the queen of hip-hop soul thing going on it's like i i can reach in uh, she's she's like saying i can reach in and go grab some aretha franklin soul for you if you really want some of that you know what i mean just I, I i can reach back i can reach back as well as uh you know reach forward as well and it just i kind of think mary really gives that uh just that especially um uh what's the word uh, retrospectively in hindsight it really it the album really says to me that she the reason why she's so legendary amongst all the other things uh i think factually it's just the fact that she can uh really boss it in every particular arena um you know there are people that can do you know singing better than her or like hip-hop better than her but like she can do it all at just such a high level and i feel like mary's just like a perfect encapsulation of all of that uh but yeah getting to um uh, no more drama uh uh going into the 2000s yay um love that love that decade i do um obviously this has the you know the the k- k- classic family affair um absolute banger everyone knows that banger um but yeah it's a it's a very um it, it's, it's it's a very up and down album it's in its own right actually like as as, as something like my life is just like you know uh, overall just very you know downward and very you know just moody um this one just goes woo 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 it's just up and down up and down up and down up and down it really goes uh it really covers a lot of bases especially emotionally uh, i feel like it's like mary in that way but just in ter- but instead of like genre elements it's emotional elements <laughs> like, like she'll just like get eve on a track and they're just fucking going off uh or you know and then it's obviously family affair where it's just like you know she just bump it proper just absolute jam stupid and then it's just like the and yeah and then it's like just has these uh and obviously uh pharrell and uh no malice on steal away it's like uh bang but um yeah it's like no more drama uh uh destiny uh dance for me i think two used one i'm thinking of for the uh, near the end um yeah there's just so much um there's a lot. There's a lot of. Uh, <laughs> there's just. There's just a lot going on uh, with this album. It just conceptually, I feel it's just a. 
it, it, it comes across as um, uh, just a real whirlwind, I guess, in in how in how it wanted to uh, in what it wanted to talk about. You know, just talking about the abusive relationships again. Uh, you know, trying to, I guess, like uh, uh, what's the word? Just trying to like uh, like talk about it so she can move on with it. It's like therapy. You know, what I mean, it's it's very. I feel like there's a therapeutic element to how she's uh, going about this particular album where like she's talking about these things that are so, you know, traumatic and could be traumatic for anyone who's in her situation. Uh, but there's just like a glimmer of like, I'm trying to move past this, but let me just dwell in it for a minute. I feel that's what the, uh, and you know, I guess because it's called No More Drama, it's like, okay, let me just get this all out. No more drama. <laughs> it's, just, it's, it's like the last thing she would say kind of thing. But uh, yeah, so it's a, it's a, it's a it's a classic in a lot of ways. Obviously, he has a you know the family fair and obviously dance for me as well. Um, but uh, yeah, it's a <laughs> it's a, it's a very rollercoastery album uh, in a rollercoastery career so far. Yes, yeah, it's, it's 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 very uh, uh, what's the word? Uh, it's very singular in that way. Yeah, I mean the no more drama thing was actually meant to be a real thing like it was meant to be her up looking a bit more forward to the future rather than kind of dwelling on the past you know it was oh one when did she get together with her partner it must have been around this time wasn't it i think they got married in 03 so so i think it was that they got together around this time and so it was kind of yeah her heading in that more yeah less drama less dramatic um and then we get yeah love and life and uh Diddy, Diddy was back. Diddy was back, man. He was he was commissioned to produce a remix for No More Drama, and they fell back into step on this record. And he produced all but one track, which was "Not Today" by Dr. Dre, uh, Mike Elizondo, and Nephew. And this album is fire, man. This album is fire. Like uh, Diddy declares Mary the queen of hip hop soul, which is true. Uh, she gets a decent Jay Z verse on the first track, who proclaims himself America's number one hustler. And he claims that he's the perfect person to pop up on Mary's return to hip-hop. She gets 50 Cent. She's got Eve. She's got Method Man. Uh, mm. I feel like 50 Cent was way out of place on that track. I don't know what <laughs> What was that. That sounded like a Porter's Head song. And 50 Cent was like... It was like he was walking on thin ice. <laughs> Just like, I don't know. He felt like he was going to fall through the song at any moment. But... <laughs> yeah, we get we get a lot of attachment songs here, as always. Uh, so she was married around the time this album dropped, so clearly there was a more realistic tinge to this record with regards to that. Uh, I guess not, not so much realistic, but like, you know, it's we could see it more. You know, with her earlier work, um, who was the guy that she was dating uh, far out? He was, I forget who he was, but um, she was with him for a couple of years, and No More Drama was kind of the album that was celebrating her breakup from that situation and she was in an abusive okay. relationship at one point but it wasn't yeah. it wasn't it might be is it kci jojo like those that thing i don't know excuse my uh ignorance on that topic but um yeah she was in an abusive relationship at one point during uh you know the the 90s it doesn't specify she never specifies who that was with but i think no more drama was her really trying to put a line underneath that and to, you know, say, I've dealt with that. You know, I, I've worked through that. I've analyzed that. And so Love and Life, obviously, this is a whole kind of three-pack, these, these next three albums, four albums even, where it's like her really trying to take control of things and, and go in a more positive direction. And, yeah. 
you know, there was a documentary which showed the making of this album, and it's really fascinating. It's it's like a really totally fly on the wall situation, and it showed the process, right? So Diddy and Mary were going back and forth over artistic decisions. And one of the most interesting parts I found was Diddy telling Mary that she couldn't just write about what she was experiencing right at that moment. He said that true writers talk about things that everyone goes through, even if they haven't gone through it themselves or they're not going through it right now. And he, to me, really positioned her at the forefront of the contemporary conversation in that sense, claiming that she had a responsibility to her listeners to try and connect with them through whatever they were they were experiencing, not necessarily just what she was experiencing. So it's it's hard to tell when Mary does this because her emotion is always so close to the surface, it always feels authentic. And, you know, I, th- I, I found that interesting. I found that interesting. It kind of lifted the veil a little bit on maybe previous Mary work or even future Mary work where I was like, she was very receptive when Diddy was saying that, very understanding, and, and she agreed with him. And I was kind of like, okay, well, where are you doing this? I couldn't, I could not pick it up analyzing this album. It just felt, all the whole thing felt authentic. Um, mm. And yeah, man, it's a beautiful listen front to back this record. She had that gift for melody back again. Uh, pretty much every single time she sings, she creates an earworm. There's a lot of fun stretches here, but there's some deep stuff as always. You know, there's always deep stuff like Friends. Friends is a really deep song. You know, I've been lied to by close friends for literally no reason, and it's really confusing. So that track resonated really heavily. A lot of this album aged in a horrible way for me because Mary sounds so happy at times here, but you know how bad it turns out. And it's almost like watching a character in a movie walking into a trap. And it's hard. It's hard. Like I, you know, researching this 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 uh, episode, I spent a lot of time watching interviews. And after the breakup, after the divorce, it's basically all she spoke about in interviews. She did a lot of long form interviews, and she was visibly upset, visibly angry, visibly frustrated. So to hear an album that came right at the beginning, like right, you know, when they were getting married, and and this was when she was her most happy, I guess it's. It's hard to listen to. Um, you know, I think this is probably my favorite Mary album. Uh, it's, you know, it's not like Diddy and Co. tried to do anything other than match the sound of the early 2000s, which is my favorite sound in hip-hop history. And I I think that, yeah, I just, I love her over these upbeat kind of instrumentals where she sounds fine, she sounds engaged, but she also gives us those deep tracks that kind of hit you out of the blue. Whereas in my life, you kind of feel like you're in the void and no more drama. You kind of feel like it's a very consistent thing. It's a very consistent feeling and emotion. These kind of albums, these mid-career albums from Mary, I felt could just go left or right at, in, on a whim. You know, you never knew what, what you were going to get with the next song. And I, I really liked that. I really enjoyed that because, yeah, she, she always sounded authentic. It never sounded forced or pandering. And so... You know, this this comes close to one of my favorite Mary albums. I, I have it top two for sure. So I learned something with this uh, next one, which is the breakthrough. Which uh, funny you say that because this is probably one of uh, next to four on one my favorite album out of Mary's uh, discography. Um, <laughs> and I I I I learned I learned it when I was uh, li- listening to this one because uh, over the past like you know couple of albums, there's always a feature called Brooklyn and I'm like who the fuck is Brooklyn 
Oh. Oh. I'm like, clear, and then I click it, and I'm just like, oh, it's fucking Mary, bro. She's spitting bars. <sighs> I'm just like, oh. Fuck! Got the bars. Got the bars. God damn it! Fuck! So yeah, I was just like, I was like, ah, oh, makes sense now. It makes sense. But anyway, yeah. So that was a fun learning, uh, <laughs> learning curve. Um, but yeah, it's I, lo- I love this album. It's so like, oh, I I I love the fact that she she had MJB the MVP as the first single, and it that basically is hate it or love it but yeah. she just kicks the kick, kicks game out of his fucking track it's so funny like it has 50s his 50s hook and then it's just it's just all merry it's just great i, lo- I love it i love that fact it's, it just kicks the game off his fucking song it's just like it's like great um but yeah we have like fucking justice league on the first track justice and that, that league. smacks uh, yeah, I know for, that's very 2004 isn't it? Oh. You, you know it's the 2000s when we're cool talking about and justice league as well, god damn Cool, cool and Dre, Dre. Yep, got yep, out. Yep. Cool and Dre. Uh, oh, fuck it. Oh, Will I Am. There you go. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, he's on that too. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, and also uh, the God uh, Ninth Wonder uh, is on here as well. And uh, and the two. Well, there's technically one track by Raphael Sadiq uh, with him on it as well as production. But I also got a uh, So Lady. Um, is uh, uh, just I got it because <laughs> and I thought why not let's do it. Um, even though it wasn't in the actual uh, uh, the overall track list, but yeah, those two tracks just smack for me. Like I just love those tracks. I love the uh, just the addition of Sadiq and just what he and just the stuff he sprinkles onto those particular tracks. Like him and Mary just they have such good chemistry on that. Um, you know, can't hide the love does have Jay Z on it, but it's just him just like ad libbing, which is uh such a boss bitch move i i really like that um take me as i am oh my gosh the reason why i love this album right is just the it's just the fact and this comes across a lot of times and i i, I wish i wrote down the specific songs that um do it throughout the discography but there's always like a one or two tracks um in a mary j album where it it's literally just taking a beat like a a, a classic hip-hop beat or just a classic sample that is used in a classic hip hop beat, and she just absolutely makes it her own. It's it's such a unique talent, and I just enjoy it so much. So take me as I am. Um, I don't know if you. Uh, uh, it has uh, the a Garden of Peace uh, sample, which um, if Ben wants to take a guess, as I do the dum dum dum, bum 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 bum, bum bum bum. Bum, bum. I'm terrible with this stuff. It's dead presence, bro. Um. Anyway, so yeah, so she she literally oh, takes yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> she she takes a garden of peace, which is obviously the same sample that is used for uh, dead presence. Um. And she just makes it her own. It's so clean. It's so so super clean. And she just absolutely just fucking melts all over it. It's so great. So uh, shout out to Lonely and Smith on the, by the way. It's just absolute banger of a track. Um. And them keys are iconic. But yeah, I just. I, I I love this album just from um uh just from a pure back to front standpoint um I I just really like the variety that comes on here I do like uh, some of the features that come on here uh obviously the 50 cent one uh on MGB and the MVP is obviously just this he's this there but obviously it's like kind of a anyway but um yeah the Rafa Sadiq stuff and you know I would say the U2 one with one, uh, the uh, that last track of the U2. I could have done without it, but that's yeah, just me being that. a hater on U2. You guys uh, can keep that <laughs> one. 
in the cut. That uh, didn't really have a place here on this album, to be honest. I would have replaced that with So Lady. Uh, and if you guys have listened to So Lady, you, it makes complete sense to be in the last track. Um, but yeah, I, w- I would have switched that. We switched those two up. That's just me. Um, but yeah, it's just um, it's got it's so confident. It's so fucking confident. This album, I love the confidence on here. Um, you know, just saying MJB the MVP, like it's just such a flex, such a fucking flex. Um, uh, and yes, yeah, there's a lot of good stuff on here. Obviously, she has the two Brooklyn uh, features, um, where, where she just absolutely spazzes on those. So yeah, I, I I love this album back to front. Um, I I just love the and and the thing that comes across um overall like in in, in where we're at now and uh, just like putting a pin and where we're at in our career every album that comes after just like builds upon everything else and i just really like that i i really like the just the steady progression that she has um in terms of just what she talks about or how she talks about certain things or or what uh, what producers she gets on certain things it just comes across like it's such a nice build um and, and, and like keeping it fresh but also keeping to her 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 roots in some in some fashion and this one just for me has a little bit of everything and i just really love it about this album so yeah yeah it's also sold 727k first week which was the highest for a solo female r&b singer in history so it was bam easily her most commercially successful in that regard um and then we get to growing pains so on the back of that mary was at a peak that i don't think anyone envisaged at this point in her career uh, especially considering, you know, she took a left turn in her lyrical content from No More Drama. She, you know, prior to that, she was the the, the descriptions of desperation and loneliness were, were harrowing at times. But obviously, during this period in her career, she was happy and healthy, and she wanted to express that. And to me, and some of the analysis I've read, this created a really interesting dichotomy because she excelled commercially to a level that she'd never seen before. That's objective. Uh, her previous album, those first week sales, that's triple anything she'd managed prior. But she also alienated a portion of her core fan base who followed her for the difficult depictions of living life in a state of challenge and, and difficulty. So such is the depth of Mary that she had to hit us with three albums in a row. Like, no more drama, love and life, and the breakthrough before people were like, oh shit, she might actually be healthy now, you know? It was like she really had to spoon feed us with those titles, right? And I'm not (laughs) sure how aware of this Mary was. Like, certainly she was clearly aware that her content had changed. She said um, in an interview, it was years of painfulness to get to this point, but once you've been going through so much self-hatred stuff for so long... You get to that point and you say, gosh, am I good enough? And then something says, and this is the growth, yes, you are. And that's why I named the the album Growing Pains because it was that moment when I realized, you know what? It's going to take a lot more growing and a lot more pain to sustain this breakthrough. Now, as someone who does experience pretty severe self-hatred, I fully endorse the idea that any breakthrough requires constant follow-up. There needs to be reinforcement, not just every now and then, but every single day. Like a track like Just Fine, for example, has to come alongside something like Hurt Again, because Just Fine is a brush off. You know, it's a disengagement with everything that dragged Mary down in her early career. But that's too sugary. That's too dismissive. It's great. 
when you pair it with a song like Hurt Again, which showcases vulnerability and self-awareness around intimacy and trust issues. On Growing Pains, I felt like Mary showed us her ability to reflect without wallowing. And that's not to criticize her previous work in any way whatsoever. Going through hardship can provoke positive growth and change or it can end you. And I think that reflection provides the building blocks for that growth. And I think that she showed that, you know, it's called growing pain. So that's why I wanted to talk about that um, explicitly because I wanted to talk about that process and how Mary does it in a really healthy way, you know, like a really unproblematic, this is actually genuine growth rather than I'm just pretending or I'm projecting or I'm, you know, this is superficial growth. And so this album holds a special place for me for that reason because as well as just the sound and her energy, which I love. You know, when I watch Mary interviews, I see a deep, caring, emotional person who craves love and deserves it wholeheartedly, but she's been hurt. And whilst it hurts me that the place this album came from no longer exists, to see her confidence and control after like 14 years of being out of control because you could you can argue that the previous ones were still out of control no more drama love and life it's like she's she's just experiencing at that point she's not really reflecting but I feel like on this album she's really reflecting and on this she she kind of morphs into someone of genuine confidence and that's really beautiful to see um there's deep loyalty on here like talk to me if you love me This is a person willing to put in the work and effort in a relationship. Uh, Rose's work in progress, again, she's showing that she wants to put in the work for herself too. This isn't just, this album isn't just about growing in a relationship with a partner. She talks on her relationship with herself. And I think the, you know, she'd been married for what, four or five years by this point. And obviously, they would have been together for a couple of years prior to that, maybe three or four. So it's a decent seven, eight years into the the relationship. And, you know, the the relationships that I see in my life that are healthy, that have lasted a long time, they're always growing. They're always changing. They're always checking in with each other. They're always trying to improve situations and, you know, solidify their bond and work out what it means in a different, you know, different ages, different maturity levels. The ones that I see that don't work are not doing that at all. We're married, bang, that's it, we're done. Like, this is our life now. We're companions for life. And that's it, you don't check back in, you don't. But on this album, it's like Mary's constantly trying to work out how to improve, how to, you know, how to deepen, all this stuff. And I think that shows a lot of growth and a lot of maturity. And yeah, man, after this album, Mary went uncharted even more new territory, you know, like it it was amazing, but... I found it fascinating that that the previous album was her commercial peak and she didn't just try and follow that straight back up with the exact same kind of thing. You know, it it's just shows to me like someone who, even despite that, that early story that I told about growing up in Yonkers and not even thinking that uh, Andre Harrell coming down to her hood to fucking sign her was going to make any difference to her life because she felt it was all going to be taken away. She never just chased commercial success she never did that and i find that really fucking brave man i find that a hard thing it's a rare thing and um yeah i love this album i love i love every mary album but yeah this one's a great (laughs) album yeah yeah for sure um so my final is uh stronger with i hate one thing i hate is this titling like this titling annoys the fuck out of me 
So it's called Stronger with each tier, but it's stylized as Stronger, all caps, with no space each tier. I, 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 it annoys the fuck out of me. Like I see it on Spotify and I'm just like, please put a space in between with an each, please. I beg you. Or at least, or, uh, I don't know. It's just it annoys the fuck out of me. But anyway, apart from that, um, I, I, I literally just learned. Like I, I was just like looking this up, like just to, you know, just to. Uh, uh, get my bearings on um the whole on, on you know every single album um but yeah I was I didn't realize it was called stronger before uh she named it because uh it was it had the had the song that was on a uh, LeBron James's uh documentary more than a game I didn't even I didn't even clock that because I re- I remember that song like from back in the day when I remember I remember I watched the I don't know why that documentary just hold it has a hold on me so hard and like same with the soundtrack there's so many bangers on there I I just a tangent um there's a song on there by jay-z and i i firmly believe that it's one of his top five songs anyway um and it's so, such a deep cut but anyway um what yeah so what song is it on the on the it's called history um uh, yeah oh. it's, called, it's it's on the it's, I hate that it's song. on the soundtrack oh fuck you then <laughs> go fuck yourself then. all right fine um anyway so you just ruined my steam there i know i'm sorry why 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 i'm buckling bruv like get off i apologize anyway. um so yeah it's uh she she said like this album represents who i am right now i'm a strong human being after all the growing pains and it's funny she says growing pains right considering the album previously was growing pains and that adds on to what i was talking about before of just how she's like built built up these albums that we've been going through in just in a very um in a very autobiographical way um maybe maybe not like in the uh maybe not as just like uh, like uh laser focused i guess like like going through every every album's a chapter so to speak it's not it's not exactly like that and not that uh uh not that um zoomed in but obviously with the titles of the albums um especially with the 2000s ones as well as you were talking about you know it's it's very it's very uh, on purpose, I feel, um, and this one is no different. Uh, but I will, I will say this album uh, and the album you're going to talk about to finish off, uh, they they both for me uh, uh, drift into the sounds of the the, the amazing sounds uh, that was uh, uh, 2009 to 2010, 2010s. Because uh, uh, yeah, 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 this has some uh, this has some interesting interesting sounds uh, in a couple of these tracks. Um, just just that's just that's just me. Um, funny enough, Neo's on a couple of these uh, in terms of production. Um, uh, you have a Ti Trace songs on a couple of features. Drake on a on Trizzy. a feature. Which, yeah, the boy. Yay. This was this was the boy, yay. Drizzy, not not yeah, quite yeah, the man, but the boy. Yes, it's kid, kid Drake. Yeah, yeah, great. Um, so yeah, there's um, there's there's some interesting uh, there's some interesting uh, stuff on here. Uh, it, it's not for me personally. Uh, I will say that, but yeah, it's a, uh, and I do think it's kind of because of just the people she had on here. I feel like there's a lot of um the the name the names are different from what there was previously like you know obviously there's a couple of like there's Raphael Sadiq and that's kind of it like a lot of these producers and names I'm seeing like there are a lot of new names and I feel like that's kind of a that sh- that may have been uh, excuse me a um I would hope so anyway oh well, yeah she's a executive producer in it so yeah I, I'm assuming this is like her decision to just like 
switch it up completely. Um, the album is much, much shorter compared to the others um, before. Um, the others, like, you know, were borderline hour and 20 minutes. This one's just under 50. Um, so, yeah, I feel like there's a lot of change uh, when it comes to this album, uh, especially in the whole in the whole pat uh, whole pan uh, the whole um timeline of her career that we've gone through um i feel like this is just like the start of a new chapter uh where like she's you know ditched ditch most people um uh, you know apart from maybe Raphael Sadiq and you know added some new people we've got Akon as a producer uh Neo's producer like i said um Stargate uh you know it's just um it's it's just a lot of differences um, that were that kind of caught me off guard, uh, especially sound wise. But um, I think uh, lyrically and uh, um, uh, emotionally, it's it's Mary J. Like uh, it's it's that's that standard procedure. Uh, but the production really does take a, a complete swing, like just a complete different, uh, complete left turn. That's that's the word I'm looking for. But yeah, uh, please put a space in between that within each. Please, thank you. <laughs> Yeah, that's a weird stylization. I don't know what they're trying to portray with that. That's um, the late two thousands, man. Weird fucking time. Uh, my life too. We get. Uh, I felt like you know this was meant to be a follow up to obviously my life, and I felt like this was an artist going in a direction more associated with pretty deeper human development. Like I think it's always really difficult to juggle everything the past that informs the present and the present creates the future it's a very simple equation until you introduce emotion into it and then everything kind of gets torn down and whilst her breakthrough album was probably my life back in 94 we know that to be a watershed moment in her artistic development so to follow up 17 years later is really ambitious considering you know especially that my life was full of a lot of darkness and the disintegration of her mental state I think sonically this is an interesting album. Uh, you know, obviously she's dipped in and out of hip hop and electronica over the past decade. And 2011 was a tumultuous time in hip hop production. It was fusing mm-hmm. itself with EDM in a weird way. And certainly on this project, Mary herself said she wanted a new direction. She stated, with so much techno and four to the floor and general loss of live instrumentation going on today. To, peop- to me, people are not doing real music anymore. And so with this album, I really want- wanted people to remember when music was about quality instead of quantity. I basically wanted to separate myself and give everybody back what I feel music today is missing. So to that end, I think the production team was a little bit different to that of a straight hip-hop album, but it still had those core elements. You know, we had songs with Nas, Buster, Drake, Rick Ross which created touch points to her career over the past 17 years, but mainly it was a summing up of the entire journey. And I guess if she didn't continue on past this record, it wouldn't have been the worst thing in the world. I'm not saying this is an opus, but it was a it was a good summation. That's, I think, what she was trying to do with My Life too. I don't think she was trying to create the predecessor. I don't think she was trying to create uh, a companion album. It felt more like the sum up like because you know my life is a evocative title right it kind of means you know maybe you're going to give us a, a a breakdown of the processes you've gone through in life whereas the first my life was this is how i'm feeling right now this is my entire life right now in this this snapshot of time this this is the present 
whereas this album I felt like it was just like yeah that process that she'd she'd gone through and you know there's heavy relationship vibes of course the joint with Nas is a great example but she's rapping on here Midnight Drive um she's almost in third person viewpoint of, of what she's going through in her relationship at times Ain't Nobody is an ode to that relationship uh Don't Mind is a like a rhetorical conversation with her partner no Condition is definitely a callback to 94 and, and that expression of desperation and despair. This isn't a happy album. This is a real album. And and whilst Mary doesn't directly sit you down and say, hey, here is everything I've learned, go study it, she delivers her growth via new ways that she interacts with her relationship, if that makes sense. So Irreversible is an example. The maturity of that song, the idea that you can't control the past, it's happened you have to accept it and move forward. And the fact that someone wronged her in the past, but she's being the bigger person and helping her partner forward to a new place of existence. Even though she's still hurt, even though she's still upset, you know, that's a pretty rare quality in a human. You know, it's a lot of self-awareness, but a lot of self-sacrifice. Self-sacrifice is at the heart of Mary's music. And sometimes it's under the surface, but I think on this album, it really came to the forefront. And... Yeah, I think, you know, if you're looking at it as as the perfect kind of continuation of my life, it's not going to be that. Sonically, it's kind of all over the place and it doesn't feel super focused, this project. But um, I think it's great. I think it's really great. I don't think Mary's ever going to be like, you know, she's going to sit down and, and write it out and be like, okay, this is what I'm teaching you on this song and this is what I'm teaching you on this song. Is coming from a place of first-person perspective, and she's always assuming that the listener is going to come along and understand where she's coming from and what she's trying to achieve with each song. And yeah, I think that's why a deeper listen sometimes has you know more results when you listen to Mary. So I enjoyed this project, man. I, it's not my favorite; it's not in my top five, but yeah, I thought it was good. And uh, uh, wow, we actually did this in in less than ninety minutes, which is great. Um, I wanted to finish off on just like overall thoughts, obviously that we usually. Well, do, do you want to like do? Do you want to just double up on strength of a woman because it did come out and um, it was kind of like after. Did you listen to it? I did not. Say again. You put on list. <laughs> you did put on list. So I didn't. Oh shit! All right. I thought I'd said. <laughs> all right. I thought I said we were both uh, going to do that one. Did you? Okay. All right. Well, m- m- uh, crosswise then. But go go for it anyway. Go for it. I'll jump into it quickly because Go Strength of a it, Woman yeah. is a pretty intense album. You know, uh, Mary J. Blige and her husband of 12 years were in the process of separation, which became a divorce during the recording of this album. And Mary said that this album reflects her attempts to sway him, to win him back, to repair their marriage, which was ultimately ended because he was in love with another woman. So during interviews, she is visibly angry and frustrated. She lashes out in pain and anguish, which is totally understandable considering what happened. And it's really hard to watch, you know, seeing Mary go through so much in life and to finally be in a place where she felt happy and uplifted, where she sounded resilient and powerful and she was dragged right back down into the the despair that she she left. And, and, you know, I'm using big words here, but man, if you listen to her early stuff, despair, definitely despair. And she said in those interviews that she would define herself by her partner's love for her. And this felt like a rejection of her at a deep level. She said that the the love that she got from fans during performances kept her going because she was internally so critical. Strength of a woman is defiance. 
Now, earlier I said My Life Sounds Like Lemonade by Beyonce. This project really inhabits that to a T. To me, this is a woman taking control and autonomy in a situation where she felt she had no control. Because there's no there's no autonomy in the victim role, you know. And whilst Mary may well have been a victim, you know, in this situation of infidelity of a partner, she seems to be conscious of dipping too far into that. She prefers on this album to focus on her own process and to provide a blueprint out of this kind of difficulty for anyone else going through it. And I think a song like Set Me Free really exemplifies that. Like you don't have to sit there and be placid to be the bigger person. You can still slam someone if you're in the right. And it may even be preferable than sitting back and kind of meekly accepting things and, and moving on in a mature way. You know, that's the, that's the key about this album. Like as someone who goes through conflict in life, the, the way I prefer to do it is to disengage and leave those situations. Because I don't know how to properly express my anger or frustration. You know, sometimes I come across as irrational. Sometimes I come across as way out of proportion. So I just leave the situation. And I'm like, all right, we'll we'll come back to this in a month and we'll talk about it then when our emotions have died down. Mary doesn't do that on this. And I think that's pretty intense. You know, she could have really just spent the whole album slamming him. But um, it's not, man. Like, Glow Up is is a song about the joy of being single. Survivor shows that resilience and strength even under duress. She's kind of reaching back for anyone else left in the struggle and pulling them through. And and to me, and I'll finish on this, it's the perfect arc for Mary J. Blige, which sucks. We don't want to have to go through this, but she did. And I find it hard to know how she's going to top this album just purely for the narrative arc. Because it's not to say that she doesn't have more to go on, you know, more to say and, and to do and experience. But the way that she endured so much in her life And then she went out and somehow overcame her early struggles, her early trauma. She created a meaningful life despite those, the way that she found love and and nurtured it into something she was really proud of, only for it to be snatched away. And yet even when it was, she didn't wallow. She took it as a lesson, not just for herself, but for her listeners. And she delivered knowledge that would take, you know, for us, it would take us years or decades for us to accrue that knowledge on our own. And if we're really invested in an artist, we're going to listen to them and internalize their their message. And I think that's that's what happened with this record. And she's so authentic, man. I talk about the bravery of artists to, to bear their soul on wax. And it's not easy to do this. It's incredibly difficult exposing your own vulnerabilities and your own fragilities on wax. But it can be really transformative for your listeners. Because I think that one of the greatest comforts a human can experience is to expose their, expose their vulnerabilities and then have them be accepted by someone they love. And Mary does this. You know, She exposes those vulnerabilities and lends a sense of solidarity to anyone going through similar, similar situations. And yeah, man, queen, absolute queen. Like I spoke a lot about the emotional side of her music, um, uh, less about the commercial side. Uh, but she has no bad projects and she's just an incredible artist and this has been a really fucking amazing journey for me to go on so yeah it's been amazing no it's uh, it's good it's good you uh, finished up with that because um yeah it really sets it as a kind of full circle uh, even though i know the well for me anyway that i don't 
class artist has retired in any way until they're dead. But um, you know, that, but as as full circles go, that's probably uh, this is probably the closest it can possibly get um, to someone's full circle. But um, artistically, anyway. But um, the the obviously it's uh, women's history month, and we're talking. We've been obviously doing all these episodes because of it, and it makes so. I'm so glad we're doing this as a symbolically for episode 100 even though factory isn't uh but you know the fact is that episode 100 and we're doing it on this particular woman uh makes it so uh fulfilling um because i i don't know if there has been an artist um in you know the past like i said 30 years that has managed to encapsulate uh the uh the consistent emotion uh and just like trying to and and the growth uh specifically of an african american black woman um obviously her personal life is uh one thing uh but the fact that she can take it and take what she has been given so far and has able to produce all of these um classic works that have been that in all of their own way have their place and have this um extreme significance behind them uh it really just blows me away um also considering the fact that these haven't these haven't come in like um uh, in like a space of you know ten years from each other, right? They, they uh, apart from maybe um, apart from maybe our last album, which is obviously like a, I don't know, like a seven year gap between uh, the between the last two that we talked about. Um, you know, apart from those, like she's been consistently dropping for like for <laughs> since the since the mid nineties, like a, a couple of years uh, gap. That just uh, that that output just on the face and the fact that they can come with such depth um really sets her apart from everybody else um you know you can think about many other um artists uh, especially female artists that have you know gone down this kind of route of like you know r&b but you know we can do some hip-hop stuff as well because you know that's kind of just how hip-hop and r&b have intertwined uh, since the 90s in general uh, because they all come from the same tree, but um, you know, in recent years, uh, it's more it's been more about R and B with uh, hip hop beats, and uh, and in the nineties slash two thousands, it was a bit more. I <clears throat> I would say it's a bit more. It was a bit more equal um, in a lot of ways, but no, I don't think anybody has done it um, in the way that Mary J Blige has done it. Um, simply because in a, <laughs> I mean, there's plenty of reasons why, but the main reason is simply because she has been able to um, portray the emotions that a lot of R and B artists can do, um, but also produce just that coolness, that everything, everything you know, inherently positive about hip hop, and like it's just, and she's just taken that. Um, and it's just applied it to some uh, R&B emotion, and I, 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 it just, it again, it just, it just blows my mind how 
um, seamlessly she has been able to combine the two and have and has just made it into consecutive works over 25 years 30 years of just absolutely banging work and it just uh yeah man it's it's it just it, <laughs> i i i want to give her a hug so bad like <laughs> i just, i just sort of it's she's she she sounds like she, she seems like such a genuine like person and i hate i hate I hate doing that to people i don't know cuz you don't know you know what i mean but um she could be a dick for all I'm joking, but um, you know it's just you can't you can't do that music all that music and put that emotion into it and not be just like and and be ungenuine. I can't I can't fathom I can't fathom that. Um, so yeah, I mean I mean yeah, man. Queen of Hip Hop Soul really just encapsulates all uh, all those word salad I just gave, but. Um, yeah, man, it's just outstanding. She's she's just outstanding. I've uh, it's been a really uh, interesting week for me, just going through this and thinking of how uh, how I can how I've been listening to this and uh, sympathising to a lot of it, and just just seeing that uh, you know beyond in the looking glass of like imagine if I was just imagine if. Uh, uh, you know, a black, uh, an African American woman was just listening to this. I can just imagine them just like, like just empathizing to a hell of a lot of it, a hell of a lot of the pain, a hell of a lot of the growth, and just thinking about that just uh, amplifies this a lot for me. Um, so yeah, uh, this has been such a worthy uh, topic and a worthy, uh, a, a worthy episode to just. Uh, go completely all in with it <laughs> and not and not uh, and not skimp uh between like a couple albums and and not pick and choose it's been it's been fascinating yeah i, I can't say anything more that's perfectly said well said <laughs> thank you uh and yeah we shall leave it there and top it to a light note if you have anything how's the, how's the cannabis stuff been going oh yeah so i started i don't know if i'm when people remember, I um, was meant to start cannabinoid oil a couple of weeks ago, and it's garbage. To be honest, it's very expensive. <laughs> Cost me three hundred dollars for a little twenty-five mil bottle, and I had to get the CBD isolate because we're not allowed to drive with any THC in our system. So I'm taking two mils when I take it, which is basically like a stupid amount of money. Uh, and it's not doing anything. It's not doing anything. And I think I'm going to have to get a THC blend because I don't know. You know, I spoke to some people on Hippo Numbers 2 when I was first prescribed. And I'm like, you know, do you guys have any experience with this? And they were like, yeah, that's not going to do a shit. <laughs> that's not going to help you. Like, it's it's <laughs> not it's not going to help. And they were right, man. I've got it sitting next to me, this little $300 bottle of just placebo oil it's basically just all i'm doing is having a couple of shots of coconut oil every time i i take it so <laughs> it was an expensive uh experiment and it did not pay off so um uh-huh. i need the i need the good stuff man but i won't be able to drive if i have the good stuff which is very frustrating i mean you know give and take in it uh maybe maybe just like i don't know pick moments i guess I, I'm, I'm really sure like like after do it after you have driven all day or whatever I, I don't know i don't know how often you drive but anyway 
Hey, the, that's um, the problem with living in Sydney, man. You got to drive everywhere. Like, I mean, uh, the, yeah. The yeah. other problem is that the police do urine tests, and it obviously stays in your system for up to thirty days. So, I'm gonna have okay. yeah. So they on the on the the side of the road they do saliva. So they reckon that THC stays in your system for about twelve hours max in your saliva, but trace amounts can stay in your urine for up to 30 days and it says on their website that even if you have trace amounts in your urine it's considered a crime so we're very intense with our driving laws over here um but i'm gonna have to work something out man because uh yeah i think i might just use the thc and then just drive very very safely and very very slowly so i don't get into an accident ever but yeah it's a bit frustrating but that's the way it Mm. is man that's the way it is Mm. How's your... Uh, yeah, what's, is, what's, no, go, go, go. No, I was just about to say, this is why I really want to live in London, because you practically don't even need to use a car. Like, there's, there's literal yeah. logic to not use a car. Like, yeah. You have the tube, you have the buses, you have like taxis. Like, you know, it, if you're in a pinch, like you can get at least one of those, you know what I mean? So uh, that's kind of why I prefer it, because I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not the driving type. Are you ever going to be mm. a driver? I mean, uh, this is this is I've I've said this to I've, I've said this over the years. Like I've I've, I've said to my uh, pe- my people over the years, I'll, if I if I need to drive, I'll go learn drive. But uh, at this point in, my, in in life, I don't need to drive. So here's what it is: I don't live in LA. That's, uh, I don't live in Australia. I don't I don't live in places where I need to drive. So you know what I mean, so it's it's pretty calm. So you know, I've, I've never had the need for it. So you know, why there is, why bother? There is one thing that driving is great for, and it's listening to music. Like I know, I know albums slap heavy I ra- I- <laughs> when you're alone on a long highway at 2 a.m. and yeah, it's yeah. fucking fire. Like it's one of the greatest joys. But um, yeah, you know, I do relish it. Yeah, I relish it. Yeah, it does happen too often, but when it when it happens, I relish. Like it's after. Even if it's like a five minute drive, let's just get the tunes in as quick as possible. Let's just blast this shit. <laughs> Where's the Yorks? Where's the Yorks? But anyway, yeah. Yeah, it's it's fucking amazing. I've got so many <laughs> CDs. I fucking hate they don't make CD players in cars anymore. Like, it's ridiculous. I have, like, probably 600 CDs. And so, you know, I just cycle through them when I'm in the car. But if I'm in my mum's car, she's got this little Kia Picanto. There's no fucking CD player. And we can't touch our phones when we drive here. So you're driving along. Millennials. And you get stuck, man. You get stuck listening to some garbage that you don't want to listen to. And it's very frustrating. Like it's very frustrating. I was dri- when I was driving home on Friday. I ended up listening to Unlocked. I don't know why I didn't review Unlocked at the start of this, but I ended up listening to it three times in a row because I was stuck in traffic and I couldn't touch my phone and it just kept playing over and over and over again. Which wasn't a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. Right. But if you're listening yeah. to something that's not very good, then you can really get stuck in a loop. You're like, oh, you got to turn the radio off. You got to. Oh, it's just yeah. It could be a mess. But um. I highly recommend going for a drive and just spinning some music, man. The 2001, Chronic 2001, holy shit, does that go well on the drive? Fucking hell, man. Any Dre production, just incredible. Yeah, uh-huh, yeah. Oh, yeah, someday, someday, I'll get in. I have time. Plenty of time, man, plenty of time, plenty of time. You're young. <laughs> All right, then we should leave you with that. Ladies and gentlemen, from the fifth and podcast now it's been digging digits so enjoy this episode i have been Charlie taylor of the fifth element i've been ben carter of hip-hop numbers we hope you all have a good week we shall always try and do the same miss mc let's next week yeah.
Celeb- continuing our Women's History Month celebrations. But until then, take it easy, ladies and gentlemen. All right, peace. Digging in the Digits is produced by me and Ben Carter. The show is edited by me. Music for the show is Piece and Video Games by Bonus Points. Thanks to Chill Up Records for the ability to use. Socials for the fulfillment. Hip Hop by Numbers, Bonus Points, and Chill Up Records will be in the full show notes wherever you're listening. This has been a Fifth Podcast Network production. Thanks for spending time with us. We shall see you next time as we continue our Women's History Month celebrations on Digging Digits.